Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala seyyidina Muhammad wa man wala. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to SwissCast. I am your host, Brother Suhaib Wahab, mashallah, mashallah, 2022. Stepping into a new year, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make every moment of our life an opportunity for growth and improvement, inshallah, and specifically to bless you and yours and all of us in this new year. Ya Rabbal Alameen. You know, one of the symptoms, at least here in the U.S., that I've noticed teaching um, on campus as well as just, you know, trying to stay up on what's going on is it's 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 really what I would consider something should be put on the endangered species list. And that is the statement, I don't know. I don't know. And we know that there are authentic narrations of people like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, may Allah be pleased with him, who is one of the students of Muhammad, peace be upon him, who used to say that, you know, knowledge is three. And one of the, one third of that knowledge is to say, I don't know. Now, I've seen this grow over the last few years from I don't know to now, I never heard that before. That's kind of like the new way to sort of subtly dismiss somebody. And I've seen this kind of in numerous situations, whether it's like the religious sphere. I remember seeing a brother who was reading a different qira'ah and this individual became like extremely angry at him. And the brother who was a scholar began to explain to him, you know, this is one of the seven authentic ways of reading the Quran. And the person said, I've never heard it before. I never heard that before. So I never heard that before. Whether you're talking about things like the public health crisis related to the pandemic, whether you're talking about issues of religion, I mean, you name it. People now say, I never heard that before. That's super problematic because not only are they admitting that they don't know, but they're using their admission of not having knowledge as a way to say that because they don't know, it must not be real. And it's interesting in the, the uh, what's called adab al-bath wal-manadhara, which is not really taught uh, in the West, which is kind of like the Islamic rules for engagement in debate. In fact, in fiqh, somebody should have studied that before they even write uh, like a fatwa or give answers. We have a very cool axiom that says, you know, jahluka la yufidu jahla ghayrik that your ignorance or my ignorance does not mean that others are ignorant. Like it's not a yuthbit. You cannot affirm the ignorance of others. Uh, we also see adamul ma'rifa yufidu shidda. Right? There's another axiom that says not knowing make things difficult. وَالْجَهْلُ لَا يُفِيدُ Which means like, not knowing does not make it certain that something isn't known. Right? You have so many of these like really cool axioms that early scholars utilized to keep somebody from saying that they never heard it before. Instead, like, لَا أَدْرِي I don't know. لَا أَدْرِي I have no idea. And that's why, you know, sometimes people like to portray Omar as being radiallahu anhu, extremely vibrant and like aggressive. But in fact, if you look at the hadith of Jibreel, you see something remarkable that he's controlled. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, Ya Omar, oh Omar, do you know who the questioner was? 
He said, Allah and his messenger know best. He has that kind of etiquette. So what I would like to do is just spend a few moments and share with you historically where I have never heard that before or we have never heard that before has was, excuse me, a absolute successful catastrophe. And there's numerous examples like this, by the way, in Islamic history. Um, but I just want to give you a few. Uh, the first is perhaps one of the greatest scholars, man, of Arabic language, Abu Jafar al-Nahas, who dies like 949 CE, who was from, from Egypt and actually traveled to Iraq and studied with the students of Mubarrad. If you know Mubarrad, if you don't know who Mubarrad is, Mubarrad wrote Al-Kamil, which is like, mashallah, man, that's a book. We used to read it with Sheikh Abdul Majid and Jami'i Al-Azhar. It's a book that basically teaches you the lugha, the meanings of words and Quranic words and hadith, and it preserves like the language. So An-Nahas traveled from Egypt to Iraq, which was like the center of learning, and actually studied with the students of Al-Mubarid. And he mastered a book called uh, Al-Kitab, which is written by one of the great giants, mashallah, Siboy. And he himself came back to Egypt and he was like, mashallah, man, he wrote a lot of books. He wrote a book on An-Nasikh Wal-Mansukh Fil-Quran, Abrogation in the Quran. He wrote a really interesting book, which is a manual uh, on Arabic grammar, which really, literally, no pun intended, is the apple of our eye called At-Tufaha, which means apple, mashallah. So here's someone who spent his life learning, who has achieved, you know, like what we could say, like autonomous scholarship, right? When compared to others, you know, he's on another level. And this is, this is mentioned by Imam Ibn Kathir and Al-Bidai wa Nihaya. It's mentioned by others. This is well known that one day An-Nahas, Abu Jafar An-Nahas, was sitting on the banks of the Nile. And uh, he was reciting Ilm al-Arud, like poetry and, you know, the different ways which the different buhur, right, the different modes and meters of Arabic poetry. And as he was doing that, a mob passed by him and upon hearing him they were unable to comprehend what he was saying his Arabic was so strong so they immediately reacted with what I never heard that before I never heard that before which is kind of like a blanket for insecurity and it can be benign and it can be cancerous in this case it was cancerous because one of them said, he's casting spells on the Neil. He's making like a magic spell on the, the Nile so that, it, the, that it, it, won't, it won't rise. And then that's gonna cause the cost of goods to go up, inflation. So they begin to assault him and beat him some of the narrations say that they tied his legs and he was trying to explain to them like you idiots i'm abu jafar an-nahas i'm a scholar this this is my thing this is what i do and they threw him subhanallah in the river and he drowned 
like subhanallah man and uh, that escalated quick as they say right like subhanallah rahimahullah Abu Jafar al-Nahas and uh, Imam Ibn Kathir actually says like they never found his body rahimahullah ta'ala so here's an example of people not wanting to just accept the fact that they don't know something right I, I never heard it before I never heard it before you also find this in the story of Imam Ibn Nahawi and I've been working on an explanation of his poem Al-Munfarijah for like seven years um, and we know that Imam uh, Ibn uh, Al-Nahawi you know he dies around like 513 I think after Hijri and you know he went through a lot man he was from like part of like Morocco and Tunis and, and this area and uh, he went and studied for so many years like he left his home where he was originally from uh, he was born like 433 in southwest Tunisia and so he he went and traveled like for so long Saqqafis to uh, Saqqafis excuse me in Cairo and he went to Iraq and he, he went everywhere um, he didn't go to Iraq excuse me he went to like the Haramain and people forgot about him and when he came back he was you know, surprised to find that his family home, they had been evicted by the government. And he, of course, spoke out about this and he was evicted from his own home. And he was forced to migrate to uh, Sijil Masa. Um, and there, you know, he's a scholar. He began to teach and he began to teach you know, Ilm al-Kalam, and he began to teach usul al-fiqh. And people started to get scared. And so they rose up against him. And listen to what they actually said. They said, He is introducing us to sciences that are unknown to us. Right? I never heard it before. I never heard it before. So because I never heard it before, it must mean that the other person is wrong. And this actually impacts like marriages, relationships between kids and their parents. Right. But here we're, we're thinking about it in the face of like how we interact with our own congregants, whether we're teachers or students. We may hear things from students and we may hear things from teachers that we never heard before. La yufil jahl. That doesn't mean that it's wrong. I'm not a Sami'a. Allah is Kaunuhu Sami'an. He's the only one who hears all things. And that's why, subhanAllah, you know, we say if somebody really thinks about the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will like refine their character. Because it will expose them to Allah's transcendence. And the outcome of that is humility. I'm not like that. So Hada, yani hada shaqs, yani Imam Ibn, Ibn Nahwi, rahimahullah, yadkhulu alayna uluman la na'rifuha. This guy is teaching stuff we never heard before. I remember years ago I was teaching a Maghrib course. This is probably 16 years ago. And I quoted, you know, a scholar in Hadith and uh, some other, you know, important notes around the 40 Hadith of Imam Nawi. And a young woman, she came up to me and she was like, you know, I don't really like your class. I said, I appreciate your honesty. You don't, I'm not going to lie, like I was jaded, you know, inside. But 
I said, okay. And I said, why? She said, you know, because I'm hearing stuff that I never heard before. Like, I don't know this stuff. So I said to her, like, you know, did you take this course to learn what you already know? Or did you take this course to challenge yourself and learn something new? And she was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I never thought about it that way. I said, well, I mean, you know, let's just kind of put ourselves sometimes in uncomfortable situations. Uh, Imam Ibn Nahwi continued to face these kind of challenges because he was so brilliant. Uh, so initially, after that, he went to Fez, and then in Fez, people were attacking Imam al-Ghazari, who we start to see the madrasa of Imam al-Ghazari after he passed away. It begins to spread through his students and through his writings, and it made people nervous. And, you know, you find the Marabitun, who their strict pedagogy, you know, they did not like... Uh, Imam uh, Abu Hamid, even though they were Ash'ari, by the way. And so his books were banned and, you know, they began to burn them. And the Imam Ibn Nahwi, you know, he, he spoke out against this. He considered himself sort of an extension of the Ghazarian Madrasa, even though he never met the Imam. He was deeply impacted by him. And once again, because of this, he was talking about things people had never heard before. They kicked him out of Fez. Rahimahullah ta'ala. And, and this is the case of many of our great, great scholars, man. You know, you look in history, look at the death of Imam al-Tabari. He died in house arrest. Imam Ibn Rushd was mahbus, was under house arrest as well. You know, Imam al-Tabari, he actually was buried in his house. And, and some of the more strict Hanabila, not all of them, they actually forbade the people to pray on him during the daytime. So his janazah was like privately done in his home. Subhanallah, you know, right next to his home. Al-Qadi Iyad, you know, the great, the giant, you know, the Alim of the Maghrib, Ibn Tulmut, had him murdered and dismembered and buried him at that time in a Christian cemetery without a janazah, next to a church. I mean, subhanAllah, because he refused to support some of the evil positions that Imam, uh, that Ibn Tulmut, excuse me, that he was Mahdi and other things. Al-Qadi'iyad refused to do that. And opposition talked about things people never heard before, refuted this nonsense. He was murdered and dismembered, buried in, in the church graveyard. and And, We'll talk about Al-Qadi Iyad in the future, but look at the Ikhlas. Some years later, after that neighborhood, the Christians moved to different areas. The ulama went and found his grave, man, and gave him a proper burial. And people would come and pray Janazah for him, subhanAllah. But again, you know, refusing to support ignorance and then talking about things that people didn't understand. I never heard it before. I never heard it before. I never heard it before. Abu Ala al-Ma'arri, who of course is, is not going to go without controversy, right? But he, he, he was a genius, man. He said, He said, when I noticed that ignorance had become popular amongst the people, I became ignorant, right? I learned, excuse me, until people called me ignorant. So think about what he's saying. It's a play on words, right? When I saw that ignorance had permeated society, 
I learned until society deemed me ignorant. Because if the ignorant deem you ignorant, that means you know something. Huh? And you say, how many times, right, has someone who's deficient claimed to be great? And how many times is someone who's great people see in them, see in them deficiencies? And as I said earlier, man, you can go through like Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Al-Bukhari, Al-Tabari, Ibn Rushd, Imam Ibn Nahwi. I mean, it goes on and on, even Taymiyyah. You can just go through whether you agree with these people or not. But there's something we can learn here for ourselves in 2022. That many of us talk about these people like we know them. And the right of the Muslim is to have a good assumption Unless that good assumption is removed by certainty. Allah says, فَتَبَيَّنُوا Make sure. There's another qira'ah, فَتُثْبِتُوا Which is also from the mutawatir qira'at. You have to make sure. And I've, I've experienced this myself. When I was in the UK, I gave a talk at a masjid. And at least three or four people came to me. They said, we're really sorry. We have said these things about you. We, we read in some form that, you know, you said... You know, there's no salah on Mars. I don't know, man, some nonsense. And I said, well, lie, man, I never said that. Because when we fail to verify, then we become open to our enemies who can spread rumors amongst us, like what happened with Sayyidah Aisha and Sultan Noor, man. So we have to make sure when we're judging people of old, right, and even people now, when it comes to issues of religion, right, or, or anything, your marriages, whatever, right? We verify information. Our children, we verify information. So I want to encourage you as a first step not to speak ill of any of the Muslims of the past unless you are certain. You have to be very careful that you don't get played. The Quran teaches us it is very clear in Surah Al-Hashr. Oh Allah, forgive us and those of our Muslim brothers and sisters who came before us in Iman. That's it. Some people out here talking about Bukhari like they know him. Al-Ghazali like they know him. Rabi Al-Adawiyah like they know her. But they don't know them. They're just going off what they heard. So they would be very similar to the other people who lived during their times and said, I never heard that before. The second thing is to be good listeners. Sufyan ibn Uyayna said that the first knowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created and taught us was to, to listen. That's why the Sahaba, they would say, Sami'na wa ata'na, we hear and we obey to be present, to give the gift of your presence. You know, oftentimes you see people in their marriages. It's, it's, not, it's not a lot to it. They just don't listen to each other. They don't hear each other. They're not present. Brothers and sisters, sometimes their relationship falls apart because they don't listen. They don't make sure they hear. So, you know, they're just not there. And finally, man, is not to use the fact that we don't know something as a reason to say someone else doesn't know also. That's impossible, man. And, and that type of attitude will not allow someone to grow, man. Will not allow someone to grow. Imam al-Maqdisi in his Mukhtasar Manhaj al-Qasidin, he says something remarkable. He says, if you hear something that you never heard before, you should learn it. And 
even if someone says something that you've heard before, you should not interrupt them. He's talking about religious learning because hearing it again may offer you a new perspective. Subhanallah. So alhamdulillah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but let's not be like the guy who, you know, the mob who threw Abu Nahas, Abu Ja'far al-Nahas in the river, the people who threw Imam Ibn Nahwi out of the masjid, the people who, you know, really gave Imam al-Tabari a very difficult time. And of course, we talked about an extreme case, Al-Qadi Iyad, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, who was like dismembered, man. Let's make sure that when we are challenged or we hear things that we haven't heard before, and that will be the last etiquette, ask questions. And I understand sometimes, especially religious teachers, they act insecure. They don't encourage people to ask questions. I remember at NYU when I was teaching tafsir, when I first started, people would raise their hand and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And finally, I said, why do you keep saying you're sorry? Is it because we're asking questions? I said, why would you be sorry for asking questions? The prophet said that the remedy for any illness is a su'el. So initially, eventually what I had to do was I created a, a fund that whoever says sorry has to pay $5. And then we have to give that money to like Islamic Relief or Helping Hand or Muslim Aid or one of the, the charitable organizations. So that fixed it quick because, you know, college students are not trying to give up five dollars in New York City, subhanAllah. But then that made me think critically, what type of climate has been created that young Muslims are saying sorry for asking questions? So there has to be also reform in, uh, in how we're teaching and who teaches and the qualifications of the teacher. And one of them is security and intellectual kind of maturity, right? Let people ask questions. If you don't know the answer, you don't know. So the last will be to ask good questions. It's perfectly, it's not a lack of adab when you don't ask a question. It's a lack of adab when you feel too shy or scared to ask a person a question because they haven't inspired you to have enough confidence in them that you can ask them a question. Then how can they embody the teachings of the Prophet وسلم, who people ask him questions? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you once again. Really appreciate people leaving reviews. You know, this is a simple operation. Um, so you leaving reviews and, and signing up for my school and all of those things really help the work that we're doing in ways that we hope you'll be able to see the fruit soon, inshallah. So you can sign up for our classes coming up this weekend, um, starting with teens, Quran for teens. Uh, it's going to be really good, January 9th, starting at 11 a.m. Central Time to 12, 12 p.m. It's going to be mashallah, mashallah. And we have some adult classes coming up as well with myself and some other teachers. And also, please, inshallah, like and leave a review and let others know about the podcast. I hope you found this beneficial. Barakallahu feekum. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.